Hi, I'm Terry, Instagram's sassy sober mum. Welcome to my podcast, Sober Stories from Everyday People, bringing you stories from people just like you and I. The aim of this podcast is to share our experiences with drinking and how we got and stayed successfully sober. Have you got to the point where you're really ready to stop drinking? Can you admit, hand on your heart, that you cannot moderate and there is no point forcing yourself around and around the Ferris wheel? Do you want to get sober but don't know where to start? Or do you wish that you could get some positive results this time? In my private membership group, Thrive, you will find the recipe to get and stay successfully sober. Thrive offers wonderful support, guidance on how to start, how to get past specific challenges, and it also includes weekly Zoom meetings. There are many people that have joined Thrive on day one, and now they're celebrating milestones they've never achieved before. Visit www.sassysobermum.com thrive for more info or to sign up. Hello and welcome to Sober Stories from Everyday People. Today I'm talking to Sarah from Durham in the UK and she's very close to turning a whole year sober, which is amazing. Thank you so much for joining me today, Sarah. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm, I feel quite privileged to be on the podcast. Something I've listened to for so long now as well. Yeah. On my walks, on my runs. Um, it's like quite surreal to actually be on the podcast. <laughs> oh, that's lovely. I'm delighted to have you. We've been connected for a while as well, haven't we? So um always get the odd little message from you or thumbs up or heart or something. So it's always nice for me to get to meet people in person. Well, through Zoom, but you know. <laughs> yeah. To put a put an actual real face to yeah Instagram posts yeah Yeah, exactly it's lovely um awesome all right let's um let's get to know a little bit about who you are if you can just do a little introduction so we can get to know you that'd be great okay so I'm a mum of three children I'm 45 years of age I'm currently at university um I'm studying occupational therapy I'm in my second year well I'm actually about to complete my second year um, I do go on my placement shortly, and then that will be my second year done. Um, we've oh. currently just moved house to Sedgefield, um, probably about six months ago now. So everything's all change and go-go. Um, I have a busy household, um, and my main interests really are like running, walking. I, I love to, I'm really into like keep fit and staying active and, you know, like trying to eat healthy and everything but I think that's probably come more so as I've got older yeah. um you know trying to sort of look after myself a little bit more yes but yeah, yeah so that's just a, a little intro about me I feel like my life's not massively that exciting but there is lots going on I mean university keeps me really busy and I'm, I'm really excited about about that at the moment so are you at university full-time yeah, so I used to do beauty therapy. I was uh, I worked in a, a really nice spa uh, where I used to live. Um, and then I just really found that my youngest has disabilities. So I really wanted to sort of delve down that avenue anyway of occupational therapy. And then it just happened to be the right time so I could go back to university 
diversity. So yeah, I'm really, really loving it and enjoying and enjoying all the doors that it's opening and everything and the study. Study's hard to manage with children, I'm not gonna lie. Mm. Um, but yeah, full time. I didn't really want to do it part time because I just felt like it would take me too long, yeah. too long to qualify. So just jump in feet first and go for it. <sighs> I love that, Sarah. I absolutely <laughs> love that. Um, I did think for myself, actually, um, I kind of went ahead about my, well, 40, 41. Oh, could I retrain? Or, you know, I, I, yeah. I love that idea that you can just go back and re-educate yourself, you know, go yeah, back to school, definitely. go back to uni. It just, it just must be so refreshing and so it lovely is, to get the opportunity to do it almost kind of properly you know the second yeah. time round I'm lectures sometimes and I look around and obviously I'm in my second year now and I almost pinch myself and think gosh am I really doing this am I really oh. here and then obviously with only a year left before I qualify I'm like wow it seems to have gone so fast but yeah. it's been a lovely process up to now so yeah it's, I'm really enjoying it I bet and I bet actually um not drinking through that mm. which I know we'll probably you know come on to as we get mm-hmm. more into your story but that's probably been quite key yeah, as well um, it has definitely I think that that probably plays without jumping too early into that it probably plays a little bit of a part in get coming to sobriety just the understanding of everything health related I think it def- definitely started to put the ideas in my head and play a part in that because obviously a lot of what we do as occupational therapists is all to do with health and promoting wellness and and you know and quality of life really so yeah definitely yeah so talking about your um life with alcohol let's mm-hmm. jump into that then how would you describe it yeah so my, my life with alcohol probably goes back to when i was quite young so obviously like like most people with childhood I grew up um, and my dad worked overseas. So we traveled a lot and we lived overseas for a while. And I just always remember my mom was one of the um, the wives and she looked after us all the time. She was a stay-at-home mom because of what my dad did. And I just remember her having parties and being this really glamorous woman that drank wine. And I just used to look and think, wow, that's amazing. And then when we left the Middle East, my parents bought a pub. Um, in, a, in a nice little village called Reed. And I remember sitting on the stairs quite often, like crying for my mum and dad, wondering why they were downstairs all the time. And I'm sat upstairs wondering where they were. Um, and obviously it was constantly like in the pub parties, everything else. And it was quite sad really when I think about it now. But I think that's when I first started to think, mum, alcohol sort of became to be a little bit of you know I link the two together not to not to sort of say too much about my mum but it just seemed to be well she wants to be there and the alcohol's there so I remember my first memory of alcohol I must have been about I think I would have been about seven at this point and I went round in the bar when every, everything had shut I'd come downstairs and I went round all the optics and I drank everything and I mean, I was very, very poorly. And my mum and dad found me and I was so, I was, you know, I mean, I didn't have to go to hospital or anything, but for a very small child, I'd probably drank a lot of alcohol. And I just remember thinking, well, this is how to get their attention. Aww. And I just think from that point onwards, I think my journey with alcohol has been very, it's been a roller coaster because then we moved, we left the pub. Um, my mum had a nervous breakdown when we were in the pub and I do think that 
it will have been driven. I think now as an adult looking back, it's definitely alcohol related because she had mental health problems. And obviously the two together is just, I just think the pressure of everything. So we moved away from the pub. Um, and then I just, my dad went back overseas and we stayed in England because obviously my mum wanted to keep us in uh, in English school. She wanted to keep us all settled in the same place and not traveling around so much. So my mum was on her own all the time. Mm. And then I remember looking and seeing her, his friends used to come around our house all the time. There was always wine, there was always drinks. And I just remember thinking, wow, she's really, you know, she's so sociable. She's just like, oh, she's the best mom ever. But all I was doing was seeing her drinking alcohol, really. Like I wasn't like looking back now. I mean, she's a fabulous mom and we have a fantastic relationship. But looking back now, I think seeing that from such a young age started to make me, my, my relationship with alcohol started to sort of come then, I think. And then I got to my teenagers, which I did at what most teenagers did, and binge drank on a weekend, drink to get drunk. You know, we used to go and get bottles of cider, white lightning, every, anything we could get our hands on. I used to pinch it from home, uh, vodka, anything. It didn't really matter what it tasted like because it always tasted disgusting at that age. Mm. But we just drank to, to get drunk on a weekend, and that was what we did um, at the youth club. Um, and then as I'd got older... I think I steered away from alcohol a little bit. Once I've had exhausted them teenagers, I, I kind of didn't really drink because I didn't really like the taste of alcohol. I didn't, it wasn't something that I instantly drank and thought, oh, this tastes really nice. So for a long time, I didn't really drink much. And then I moved overseas. And that's when the relationship that I'd seen with my mom with alcohol had come back around again. And I was drinking a lot overseas. You know, it would be like midweek, constantly, weekends. It just every day merged into the same. Um, and then I did that for quite a few years, on and off. I mean, my parents came with me overseas because I, I went to work for my dad. But throughout this whole process, every time I look back at it, my dad never drank. My dad wasn't a big drinker. He's, his relationship with alcohol is really, really healthy, you know, to the point where he could just go months and months and months. And me and my mum would always be like, oh, you're so boring, you know, come on, dad, have a drink. And I feel so bad about that now when I when I think back to it. And then so obviously my, my I used to drink a lot when I was overseas and then I came back home and then I met my husband um, and had children came, obviously. And again, my relationship with alcohol disappeared. I did, just didn't drink, you know, I just didn't, you know, I, I take it or leave it. Mm-hmm. it. It didn't seem to bother me so much. And then my youngest got Pooley, um, who is now 15. He got he got sick. Um, and then I just slowly started drinking again. And then it just kind of continued from there up until I decided to, to stop drinking altogether. Yeah. I seem to always go where I, I seem to. I was thinking about this um, yesterday when I was driving. I think my relationship with alcohol is linked to something going on in my life. Mm. If something going on in my life if I don't know how to handle something mm-hmm. or if I, I need to be like the happiest I can be alcohol that's the that's the thing that I, I seem to grasp to mm-hmm. I think I have quite an unhealthy relationship with it yeah. um, I'm an all or nothing person I'm either all in drink 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 or I'm out and that's it I'm, I'm, I'm done so it's finding that balance of you know what's brought me to where I am now really but yeah, so that's kind of my my backstory of alcohol. 
It's quite interesting, really. Um, I think, yeah, you're right. When you were saying there that it's almost like, and I think this is the same for a lot of people, and it was for mm-hmm. me too, but I think alcohol becomes the coping mechanism. And that mm-hmm. seems to have been quite similar as well with your own mum, that she was kind of using alcohol in a similar way. I mean, she must have been so lonely as well. When dad went overseas, I just think about, you know, we're we're the same age, you and I, we both have three kids. We know what that, how that must have felt like because we're Mm -hmm. in a position where we're parents. Can you imagine how hard? I think she just used to sit there on a night and just have a glass of wine because it was company because... I know. I used to think, but how can you be lonely, Mum? You've got us three, but it's not it's not the same kind not of company, is it? I mean, yeah. I love my children to death and, yeah. and my two eldest are a lot older now. They've they've grown up now. And um but the company of small children isn't the same as having adults <laughs> around you. It's not. No, it's you know, definitely not. <laughs> you know, it's completely yeah. different. And I think when we all went to bed, that was just, you know, what she did. She she liked to drink, she used to smoke mm-hmm. cigarettes. You know, and to me, that just seems so glamorous. I, I, I don't know why I portrayed it in that way, but I just did. I just thought it was, that's exactly how you're supposed to be. Mm. And when I started drinking after my youngest had, had been diagnosed with disabilities and he was poorly, but then he had got better, that's when I started to drink more. Um, and I sort of, I remember sitting there and thinking, oh, I'm just like my mom. You know, mm. I'm sat on the table with my friends around on a Wednesday and, you know, mid, mm. midweek drink. And we used to joke and call it, um, it was medicinal, you know, that that's how we related it. It was our, it was our mummy medicine to make mm. us feel better. And I just look back now and think, you know, it's, it's, it, it, it baffles me that, that that's how I used to think. But, you yeah. know, it's like, what you do to cope I think to get through things I think I think so and I also think that there is there is such a glamorization of alcohol Mm -hmm. I mean it's as a as a as a kid you know every child especially daughter you know looks up to their mum really don't they I mean it doesn't matter really what's going on in that relationship as a child you're you're beautifully naive and you just you just mm-hmm. think your mum's a, a superstar um yeah. and you know I've, I think I've said this before on the podcast I remember when I used to play mums and dads with my friends when I was little and you know you've got the baby I used to have a wine glass and a straw as a cigarette you know yeah, my mum smoked yeah. but it was just that I wanted to copy my mum I just wanted to be yeah. like yeah. So, but then obviously when you get all the glamorization on telly and there's just all, all there's all this glamour, you know, everywhere, all, yeah. it is everywhere. Nobody shows the picture of the burnt out mum that's in a blackout, passed out mm. on the sofa at 1am. You don't, you don't get that picture. No. You get no. all the, and I think that's part of the challenge when anybody, not just mums, but when anybody tries to remove alcohol from their life you go on a platform like social, well, some social media, Instagram or something like that, and you see all of the getting ready drinks and everybody's yeah. all very like they are in that they're 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 in their best moment in that photograph. Everybody's yes, yeah. you know, and it's so easy then for the story to get out of control in our heads about what's happening and we just place so much value and we just place so much glamour 
on that whole picture that is like two minutes and and, and is actually, you know, later on, <laughs> that picture is going to be completely oh, different. I, I mean, and, but all I thought my mum was glamorous and the parties and that, I seemed to like, and I, I remember yesterday, but then I seemed to forget the aftermath of that. Yeah. When my mum and dad would be fighting, my mum would have an argument or sometimes it would get to a point where, everything was happy happy and then boom it was like a switch went and something mm. and it would turn nasty mm. and and I just mean verbally I, you know nothing you know my dad's a really calm and collected guy and I just think you know he must have just had to walk away because it just turned into mm. but I forgot all of that as a child growing up I didn't really remember that as much I just remember the glamour and yeah. you know and maybe you know now I think oh yeah well I remember that fight they had or when my mum stormed off and you know, as children, you're witness to all this, aren't you? And I just yeah. think, gosh, it's like, you know, yeah. and then history, and then for me to try and make history repeat itself a little bit, mm-hmm. I'm like, what am I doing? Why am I in this, you know, cat, you know, circle of just constantly, mm-hmm. it's toxic. For me, I find it toxic, it's very toxic. It is toxic. And I think I relate so much to that. And I feel, you know, I've I've felt the same as that. Because I got into this just the same place that I felt like my mum was in, and yet you know i didn't i didn't re- I didn't have an adult relationship with my mum mostly because of her drinking, uh, and yet I couldn't see the irony <laughs> in myself that I was just doing exactly the same as her, like I wasn't any better than her, I was just yeah. following, and that's because that's just what was modeled to me yeah it's what you know it's just all we've seen that's our life pattern that's our framework that we were kind of born and raised inside and so I think when you step out of or step off the ferris wheel or step out of the you know circle or you know the way you described it I think it's easier to then have those feelings of well how on earth did I do that but I think on the flip side, aren't we just so lucky and fortunate that we have done that? Because I do think that a lot of people do just repeat the same yeah. patterns. And sometimes people maybe end up miserable until they die without re- being able to re- connect that a lot of it is perhaps down to their alcohol use or the impact that alcohol is having in their life. And they just get, because I know for myself, when I, was drinking and then I was displaying some behaviors that I had witnessed as a child that I didn't like about my mom and then I was doing that myself perhaps with my own children I used to really hate myself yeah yeah definitely been there before and then now even now I look back now and I look at like some of the things that like you know it was fun to a point Mm. But then I think when I was drinking with my with my best friend, who I'm still friends with now, and I, I don't necessarily look back and regret everything because we had some really fun times. And I think without my journey to alcohol, I wouldn't be where I'm at now. Yes. All these things that have happened have made me decide to make the choice to go down the road that I've gone. Yeah. And I would never change that. But I do have moments where I feel shame about some of the things that have happened just from you know, going out for, I could go to my friend's house just for a drink and come back and sometimes be so horrible to my husband, mm-hmm. you know, and maybe be ratty with the kids and like shouting at the kids the next day. And I, I just think, oh, it's just, it may, it does make me feel sad because I just think 
I I feel like I must have been in a sad place to be mm. continuing that cycle. I look back and think my mum was obviously in a sad place because she was lonely. Mm. And I think I was just, you know, struggling with processing different things that had happened throughout my life. But mm. I, I think that I was quite sad as well because, you know, if if I was in a bad mood, I'd think, right, let's just have a drink. I'll have a drink. It'll it'll make me feel better, but it doesn't ever, ever make you feel maybe for five seconds initially at mm. first mm. sip. But then it doesn't make you feel better. By the end of the night, I'd be crying in my pillow or I'd be shouting, I'd be angry. And then the next day I have the the anxiety, as they call it, where I'm just, oh, you know, the feeling would last for days and days on end. It was just horrible horrible yeah. thing to have but yeah just and I thought to myself I'm doing exactly what I said I would never do yeah. and yeah we do, we do do it and yes you know, it's, it's it's it is really sad but um but like I say everything that's happened has brought me to where I am now so yeah in some ways it's like I'm, I'm grateful that the things happened to me have because I don't think without looking back and, and thinking with the shame and everything else and I don't think I would have made the decision that I've made to become like with sobriety now to get sober. Mm. Um, I've had to have gone through all of that to get here. Yeah, that's right. It's like you couldn't change what you were born into and you can't change the way that you were brought up Mm -hmm. and the parents that you had. Those things you can't change. So, you know, there is an element of you are always going to go down, probably go down a path of having a, a complicated relationship with alcohol yourself if you've been exposed to that. But it is, and that's not your fault, but it is your responsibility and it is our responsibility to look at what's really going on and have yeah. that awareness to be able to say, do you know what? I don't like this about myself. I don't like the way that I'm showing up and the way that I'm acting. I don't like the way that I'm parenting when I do these things. I want to change. And it's about that awareness, isn't it? And just sort of accepting that, okay, you are in this place. It is a bit dark. What can you do to improve it and that's where you're so right it's like you can't I don't think as well you can look back and be like oh you know have loads of regrets and even feeling shame to a certain point like you were just doing what you knew was right for you in that moment and of course that then led to maybe some behaviors and decisions that weren't very nice Mm -hmm. but they all got you to where you are now and that and I think that's an important thing to keep in mind and I, I try to tell people when they're trying to process and manage that shame to just it's very hard but just just apply some compassion you know yeah. you you just weren't coping with certain things in your life and alcohol is wonderful at <laughs> tuning things out and it definitely is yeah it's like it numbs the pain yeah. temporarily it yeah. never numbs the pain permanently but you do I, I mean I felt like I was looking in the mirror and I wasn't recognizing who I was seeing yeah. and I thought I don't want to be this person yeah, I really same. I don't want to be the person that wakes up the next day and thinks what did I say what did I do you know mm. and it was getting to the point where I, I, I was like I was the person everyone wanted around because mm. um, I was fun I was drinking but then I became the person um at everyone's expense more or less you know yes. I, I would necessarily I could sometimes be the 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 fun person there and oh I'm glad I'm not her this week or you know and I was the yeah. butt of jokes and then I was also you know I had people were having 
fun at my expense because mm. I was making a fool of myself, you yeah. know, I was, yeah. you know, and, and I didn't care, <laughs> you know, and I thought that was just me being part of a, a friendship group, which looking back now, I, I wasn't really, mm. I don't actually think of them. Yeah. Then people yeah. aren't, weren't necessarily my friends, yeah. um, but that's like a whole, that's, you know, further down the line as I've started to drink and go out with Pete, go out with friends and stuff and thought I was in this huge social circle that was fantastic um but really it wasn't it was based on nothing the friendships were based on very very little really but again I think that's because I was this outgoing chatting wanting to you know I was the person that was probably crawling around on the floor at the end of the night and everyone's laughing at me and I'm thinking hey this is great everyone's laughing with me when they're not no (laughs) I I, I was I was a bit like that I was kind of the clown of our group um, I think that's really interesting, actually, what you say there. Um, I do think that friendships do change when mm-hmm. you remove alcohol. And I think people have a lot of fear around that. But actually, it's a good thing. Because also, yeah. I, I don't believe that you obviously you will have some close friends that you probably have for life. But my experience of life, and I have heard about this talking to other people and read about it is that you have different phases in your life and you know friends do come and go depending on you know moving abroad you probably made a set of friends there you don't maybe make as much contact with them now just because you're a mum of three and you you go to university full-time and you you know it I do think the older you get as well and 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 your priorities changing and sort of shifting around you do start to realize that you know, you've got friends, but some friends are maybe, you know, they kind of burn out a bit, those friendships, mm-hmm. the sort of flame goes out a little bit. But the friendships, when you get into sobriety, I think, and especially, and I think this is probably harder for younger people, so 20s and 30s, or perhaps maybe people maybe that aren't married or, yeah, whatever. But I think the friendships change and I think people... So, for example, somebody on my group this week was saying, I went out with friends and and this person is maybe 50 days sober and they were all drinking heavily and it was sort of, yeah, it was was quite hedonistic, it sounded like. And that person stood in that party and just stood there and thought, God, you know, I'm I'm so boring. It must be me. You know, I feel like I'm so boring because I'm not enjoying this. And I said to her, well, maybe they're boring. (laughs) Mm, you know it's it's like you know we just we automatically think that when it comes to things like friendships and sobriety and FOMO and we're the boring ones because we've stopped drinking but but maybe what they're doing and and that is boring and yeah I mean I look at my friends sorry my my friends weekends and like some of them that still do drink and their weekends are consumed with fights Friday night drink Mm. Saturday, ill, Sunday, and they're like, what have you done? And they're like, their weekend's gone in a blink of an eye, and my weekend is packed full of stuff. You know, like, I'm doing something Friday, I'm doing something Saturday, I'm doing something Sunday, and it might not be what everyone else thinks is exciting, but for me, I I feel like I am, I I feel like I was boring when I was drinking, and now I'm a completely different outlook on life, and I feel like my life's more exciting now. I get excited about things, whereas I never used to really get excited about stuff. I look yeah. forward to things more. I have yeah. more things planned in my diary of what I'm doing. And 
And yeah. I think my approach to everything is more, I'm more excited as well. I just yes. think I've got passion back and a bit of energy and drive. And I just think that that was kind of zapped a little bit with alcohol. Totally. Yes. It was sort and of like blurred. It's like having the joy as well, isn't it? Like I do believe that you reconnect with joy when you stop drinking mm-hmm. because you find joy in small things like I feel really excited to get up on a Saturday do my park run come back you know go in the garden watch watch my crocuses come up you know and, and go out for a walk and cook a nice meal or maybe cook some pizza at home in the oven at home just all these different things but like you say the weekend is full it's full it's full of things yeah. that you enjoy that are that are that are exciting and interesting for you and that's what's important yeah. and I think with the whole this whole narrative around going out and being fun and it, basically it's just a validation that people share to just sort of say it's okay to just go out and get wrecked and and actually I think that is really boring now yeah like you say it's like really, going out you're talking like what four or five hours of your whole weekend is consumed in that moment yeah. of getting wrecked isn't it yeah and um, and then what else is in the weekend it's nothing yeah you know, you feel so ill well, there is you can't do anything you can't physically do anything and if you do do anything you're, you're kind of masking all the way through it because you just want you to just, get through you just want to get through it get through it yeah yeah, yeah. you don't take anything in you're not present in anything you're doing no you're not really connected with that experience are you you're not you're certainly not getting all the joy from it because mm-hmm. All you're thinking about is when do I get to go or yeah. when when, do, when can I go to bed and just yeah. sleep, sleep this off or when can I go home and have another wine just to take the edge off of this yeah. like horrible that, feeling that yeah. I'm in. So I just thought it was really interesting and I, I'm trying really hard with my clients and just people in my group and things is just to sort of just keep reframing that narrative. Like whenever you think I'm so this, well, no, hang on a minute. What ha, What about if actually they're the ones that are – so whatever because yeah I just think we're just we're so um we're so used to and the alcohol does that a bit as well like in our brains our brains just love to work against us (laughs) in these situations (laughs) and just loves to try and our brain is literally waiting to trip us up and see us fail um for you know for at least the first six months I think of sobriety oh definitely definitely you have to work hard to get past that but um but going back to so what happened on the day that you decided to stop drinking why that day what happened well, I'd, I'd, I had I had sort of um, I'd done dry January a few years prior to that, um, and yeah, did it me me and my husband did it did it no problem at all, and then lockdown happened, and we actually did three months sober, um, and that was fine. You know, I found it really. You know, I did it. I, I felt brilliant. You know, everyone else was drinking in lockdown, and I was getting sober. But for me, it was easy because I didn't have any parties to go to. There yeah. was no come round my house we'll have a quick drink of wine so that for me perfect opportunity and we did just start to do dry January and then it went well I'll tell you what we'll we'll go to to a bit longer and then we'll you know keep going and we did three months and I would have loved to have continued but lockdown lifted and everyone was going out and I think the peer pressure Mm. was so big that I I buckled out you know and I remember having that first drink and thinking I really don't want this I don't want this Um, but I did and then yeah. before habits rolled. And so I think it was always in my head that I wanted to, I, I think I had come to the point where I was exploring sobriety a lot more. Mm. Uh, 
and started doing a bit of research and, and, and I was looking into things. And then the actual day I decided to do it, I don't think anything, um, like I've heard many people on your podcast say nothing. I wouldn't say it was not huge. My son got diagnosed with epilepsy, which was huge in lockdown. Um, and for me, and then I went to my friends for a drink and I'd come back and I hadn't really had a lot to drink. Um, this is going back last Easter, like April time. Um, and I'd come home and I must have given him his epilepsy medicine. And as much as it, I don't, I didn't remember in the morning, but I didn't think I'd had enough to drink to be, you know, out of it. But I'd come home. I think I'd shouted at my husband. I'd maybe shouted at my daughter. I'd given my son his epilepsy medicine. And I mean, it, it shames me to think this. And then I'd gone to bed and that was it. And then I woke up the next day and I just thought, enough this is not, you know, it, it was a big thing, but in my head, I just thought, I can't, I can't. I've got this little person here who depends on me for his medication. And I'm being so flippant as in to having a few drinks and giving him his medication, but they're not remembering. And it's just, you know, mm-hmm. I just thought to myself, you know, I need to, you know, my husband was there and he hadn't had a drink or anything so you know it's I'm so much of a control freak that I have to be in charge of this this and this and he'll admit that that I'm you know it's my routine but I just thought to myself you know there was more there was no positives in me drinking there was no fun or joy in me drink my drinking anymore every time I drank it seemed to be backed up with oh well mum you said this or oh you came home and shouted at me for this and and I just thought to myself no one's getting any fun from this and I'm certainly not anymore and nobody in the house is getting any fun from this Mm. and I thought to myself my son was um, early diagnosed with epilepsy and I thought I need to be on my A game here and I need to give him the best sort of guidance and someone to look up to because he might never be able to drink alcohol because of the condition and I need him to be able to say, well, it's actually normal not to drink alcohol. Oh. I'm up with somebody in the house that hasn't drank alcohol, whereas I grew up thinking it was normal to drink alcohol. Yeah. I yeah. wanted him to have that influence and that person to sort of say, oh, well, my mum never drank and that's okay. She was fun. She did this, you know, and I wanted that. And yeah. I wanted that more than I wanted another drink. Oh, um, And I think I just kind of did it very gradually. I never told anybody I was going to do it. I didn't even say anything to anyone in the house. I just had things planned for the following weekend. So I knew I wouldn't be drinking them because I was driving. And then I just did one weekend by one weekend by one weekend. And it just ended up going into months. And and then it just became where I actually said, I'm not going to drink again. And I can honestly say that I can say I'll never drink again because yeah. I don't crave it. I don't miss it. Mm-hmm. I get pressure from other people more mm-hmm. than I to myself. Like I just, I'm confident in who I am now. I feel I know myself better now as well. I understand how my body works better. I understand how my mind is better. My mental health's better. My relationships are better. Um, so why would I ever want to go back to that place yeah. ever again? You know? Yeah. That's amazing. It makes my my hair stand on end. I I, I love it. And I can really see that as well, that you, you know, I I just, I believe it. I can see it. And I, and I share that as well. And I think sometimes people feel frightened of the forever thing Mm -hmm. and everybody's different. Um, 
and people have to do what's right for them. I I, I truly believe that, mm-hmm. and I don't I don't believe that there is a one size fits all. And some people need to do it day by day. Some people need to do it weekend by weekend. Some people just need to never think about forever. For me, I went into sobriety thinking I don't want to drink again. Like yeah. that's that's it. I don't want to drink again because I'm, you know, I'm the same as you. I'm just not getting, I'm not getting anything from it. What what I think I'm getting from it just feels too painful now. Yeah. But I got to a point in some point in my first year, and I just knew, I just knew I would never want to drink again. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a that's a wonderful feeling when you is, are in yeah. that place where you just have a deep knowing and it doesn't matter what other people think about that either really because it's for you and it's what you want and it's what you know inside your heart and inside your body and I just think that it's um it's completely possible to have those sorts of big shifts and big feelings and oh, yeah definitely yeah it's peaceful well, feeling I found it was a peaceful feeling I actually sat there I think I'd gone for a run I think I was probably about three four months I mean I knew quite early on that I wasn't going to drink again um although every time anyone asks me I'll go oh, maybe you know but it's more yeah. of just really to shut them up more than yeah. how I'm feeling inside yeah. um and I think I'd gone for a run um we'd just not long moved house it'd been really hectic moving house and very stressful as moving house can be um Oh, we were in the pro- we were definitely in the process of moving. And I remember there was lots going on. And I remember just sitting in the garden and it was so peaceful. And I mean, it probably sounds very, uh, I don't know, cheesy as to say, but it's genuinely how I felt. And I just sat in the garden with a cup of tea. And I actually thought, I'm so happy right now that I don't think that I ever would go back to ever how it was before and I know people might go oh yeah okay but I genuinely felt like really peaceful with myself you know I felt that you know I'm content I'm no longer researching for something else I'm no longer trying to mask something or I'm no longer trying to make myself feel better if I don't feel great I just sit and don't feel great if I'm tired I know it's because I'm genuinely tired and not because I'm hungover or um, you know, any, you know, feeling like the 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 long the effects of alcohol in my system for a while. I'm just more in tune with myself. Yeah. Um, my recovery with running and stuff is so much better. Um, you know, I don't have the niggles and the aches and pains. And my anxiety that was creeping in there um before I decided to do sobriety, it's I wouldn't say it's completely gone because I think we can all have worries and we can all, you know, there are things in life that can test us, but I deal with them better now. You know, I actually, if I'm upset, I'll I'll actually allow myself to be upset and feel that genuine feeling of being upset, knowing that that's what it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, and then I move on and I'm fine and I'm, and I'm conscious, content with everything. Yeah. I feel like anything that's thrown at me, I can deal with now with a clear head. You know, it's not like through, I feel like I lived so many years through like a a fog, really. Yeah. Because I think that's what alcohol does to you. You can't think clearly. You can't, you can't process your emotions clearly. Yeah. You know, you don't know if you're feeling poorly, genuinely feeling poorly, or if it's a hangover feeling, because the two can very much merge together. Um, Whereas now I'm, I'm okay with 
sitting with whatever feeling I'm feeling that day and that that's fine yeah and it, yeah it's just peaceful it's very oh. peaceful external noise anymore it's a lot yeah. more <laughs> I think that's I think that's lovely I, I really do and I I I think that as a drinker I know if I talk you know about myself here but I do think that people do share this as a drinker you just don't let yourself feel a lot really Mm -hmm. and I think there is so it's such a small but huge change to just when you feel something different (laughs) okay whether that's you know good or bad but when you feel something different going on inside just letting it be there yeah be there it's it's hard I think for people to do that I think that we have got into a pattern um society I mean here has got into a pattern of fixing fixing things quickly trying to fix things you know I don't I don't feel I don't feel perfect let me just fix that or Mm -hmm. let, let me have a scroll on my phone let me I don't know whatever it is like eat loads of chocolate or have a lot of drinks or have some drugs or and I think that actually there is a piece weirdly there is a piece in feeling all the different emotions even feeling Mm -hmm. what are maybe the not so nice emotions just because it just means that you can you can let them come in, you can let them sit there and then you can let them go and you can just sort of, you can, like you say, you can process it. Process, yeah. Just process it for yourself. You don't need anyone else or anything else to come in and have a look and try and take over. You can just yeah. do it for yourself. And I think sometimes sometimes we we just don't know how to do that naturally, I don't think, because yeah. there are too many things at our disposal that can that can change our state of mind and take us to a different place or make yeah. us switch off or make us it's shut just, out it's, the noise. It's just too easy, isn't it, to just, you know, you had a stressful day at work, oh, I'll just have a glass of wine. Yeah. It just helps me relax. And I don't know why I ever thought that was going to help me relax, but because yeah. it never it never did. Yeah. It would only lead to one more glass. I could never just have one glass of wine, Mitch. Yes. You know, um, we would we would open the bottle, I'd have one glass of wine, one glass would lead to two, go on, let's have three. Oh, there's a little bit left in the bottle. Yeah, just let's finish, finish it. it off. <laughs> You know, because oh, who who leaves a little bit in the bottle of wine like that? And that was a bit of a joke with us. But that's you know, you know, and we do. We just reach for the nearest thing. It's so readily available, isn't it? Mm. In society mm. to grab alcohol. To it's so cheap as well to buy now as well. Mm. And, and I think it's just. I mean, I have older children, two of my two older ones, and I just look at their relationship with alcohol now, and I think. I need to be that person that sets an example for them as well because they're going through that whole period of binge drinking and going out and, you know, I mean, my daughter got spiked um, and that's changed her relationship with alcohol, which is, although horrifically awful for her to have have happened, I do think it's given her an eye-opener to, you know, how to behave when you have a drink because Mm. I think these young people now, they just drink and pass out and like I did many many years ago you know I did the same thing and it's such a scary world we live in now I think Mm, yeah just have to be careful yeah yeah um 
yeah I kind of I don't look forward to those years to be honest with um, my my daughter's drinking social media spiking it's it does it does feel quite scary it is Um, but I mean they're they're sensible and you know they're 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 learning in their own way which they're going they're going to regardless because once they get to a certain age they don't really listen to mum and dad as much anymore (laughs) I think it's just natural Natural, but you know, I just think as long as we give them, you know, the information and stuff, then you know, the choices they make hopefully are the right choices. So, yeah, but yeah, it is it is a scary time having teenage older children. <laughs> God, I can imagine. It's not easy. Yeah. It's not um, I've, one of the things that I really liked that you said as well when you were talking about when you were sitting in your garden and you were feeling that peace and you just knew that you wouldn't go back to drinking. Um, I think when people start to have their weekends and they kind of they don't think about alcohol and they and then after that weekend they suddenly stop and think oh my god I I didn't think about alcohol this weekend you know when that starts to happen when all those like lovely new brain connections are happening and you're filling up your evidence cup that you can actually enjoy your life without drinking you know because the more you practice that and the more you do that the more Mm. evidence you get I think when that starts to happen and people start to have those moments which I remember I had myself and I, I you know I love thinking back to that but when you start to think God, you know what? I did all that stuff or I, or I went to that wedding or I went on and I, I didn't really think much about drinking at all. That is when I think you really start to see for sure that you just don't need the drink yeah. and that, that that decision starts to become more concrete in your mind, yeah. more firm in your mind. And I, I just wanted to pull that out there because I'm sure there are people listening to this perhaps they are on the cusp of some of those Mm -hmm. moments or perhaps they haven't quite got there and they're wondering well when does this all happen but I don't think that yeah I think it just naturally does doesn't it I mean I did the whole placebo effect at the non-alcoholic drinks you know rather than break the habit change the habit just change what you're drinking um obviously remove the alcohol put the alcohol free in place and I used to do that for quite a while and now I don't even I don't need the non-alcoholic drinks I mean it's lovely that they're there if they if if you want them and at Christmas I experimented because I I was watching your different drinks and cocktails and stuff and I was experimenting just because it was fun and it was a treat but but now I probably don't have a non-alcoholic yeah. drink on a weekend. It doesn't yeah. even enter my head. No. It doesn't even, you know, when I'm going somewhere, my, my I used to think, right, when are we going to get there? Let's get the drink in the airport. Like everyone famously takes the picture in the airport with the alcohol. Let's yeah. make sure we find the first bar and da-da-da. Whereas now it's like, what are we going to plan? Where are we going to go? What are we going to see? You, 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 your thought process changes completely. Yes. But it just yeah. naturally, gradually happens, I think, as you go through. Yeah. The, I just think it does. But it is such a nice feeling when you do finally get there. Yeah, I think I think it's kind of, it's really eye-opening. And sometimes it's a bit of a shock as well, because I, I definitely remember thinking earlier on in sobriety, how will I ever forget about alcohol? Because mm-hmm. it's been so important. And it's been such a an almost daily habit for a really long time, or certainly three or four days a week for me. 
And I just couldn't believe that I would ever get to a place where I just might not even think about it. You yeah. know, but then when I started to build up my weekends and experiences without mm-hmm. alcohol, and then I started to catch myself kind of reflect and and say, oh, I didn't even think about drinking actually this weekend. Like, wow, what a revelation. It yeah. became like a bit of a rev- revelation. And it was kind of shocking that, I could that I could kind of just completely forget about it. I couldn't believe that I could completely forget about it. And I think that's the sort of the lovely turning point. Yeah. That then starts, you know, you start to realize, well, actually, this, this, this is it's not just possible, it's actually happening. And I think so, it helps you go into things a bit easier. So if there is a night or a meal planned. You, you're going into that thinking, oh, the food, I can't wait to try this. I can't. Yeah. The alcohol process isn't there. Whereas in the early days, you're thinking, right, how can I get in and get out without anybody offering me a drink or the yeah. temptation of a drink? And I do think that that's when you start to really start to experience and enjoy things. And I mean, yeah. I can't wait till I'm as far down the line as, as what you are, you know, like when I can say I've got years behind me. But, um, but yeah, I think it's a really nice thing to have. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. And so um, what was the most difficult bit for you in removing alcohol from your life? Well, probably, probably other people, I would say, because in my head, I knew I didn't want to drink again. For me, it wasn't a challenge. It was a choice. And I think people who do the dry January, when they do the challenge, it's like if they just went that bit further, it gets to the end and you do sort of switch between that challenge and choice, don't you? But for me, from the beginning, it was just a choice. I just knew this was not what I wanted anymore. I didn't, yeah. there was nothing about it that I wanted, but it was the, it was the other people, the, the external factors, you know, people like, oh, you, you're not drinking anymore. <laughs> and I was like, you get, you really get judged for not drinking. Yeah. Uh, I remember hearing something the other week where somebody had said it's the only drug out there that you actually get judged for not taking, Mm. you know, because if you were to take anything else, people would be like, oh, that's brilliant. You've, you know, you've given up, you're doing really well. But with alcohol, you're like, oh, why why are you not having that? You know, you really get the judge. You can see the judgment on people's faces instantly. Um, So I found that really hard. Like people maybe is not necessarily wanting me to to come to parties um, or going to events or stuff because they're like, oh, um, I think one person said to me, oh, but when we start getting drunk and you're not, you're going to judge us. And I'm like, I'm, I'm not going to judge anybody. But that's obviously how other people felt being around me as a sober person. Um, so I felt the pressure, but I thought, you know, this isn't about them. It's about me and it's what I want to do. And I'm not going to crumble again by peer pressure because I you know I'm a 45 year old woman I'm going to make my own choices and I I think the more they pressured me the more determined I became I just seemed to thrive off that you know and I thought no I'm going to put myself in that situation I'm going to test myself because I'm I'm quite stubborn (laughs) and when I make a decision I really do stick to it and um, and I really wanted to I was quite excited in the early stages of challenging myself yeah you know can do this you know I want to do this and then eventually people just stopped mentioning it to me and now it's just I don't think anybody even notices now when I turn up and I don't drink I get the best of both worlds I get to drive to the destination I'm going to enjoy people's company and then get out before it gets messy (laughs) so yes 
hey, it's perfect. It's perfect. And my husband's got a permanent driver, so, you know, he loves it. But, I mean, it's had an, a knock-on effect to him because he doesn't drink as much now. He's mm. never been a big drinker. Um, I am quite lucky that he's not a big drinker. But yeah. we did we did struggle a little bit in the early days um, because I wasn't drinking and he was. You know, how's that going to work when we go out? You know, I, I think he struggled to accept that this was where I was now and it kind of changed the dynamic a little bit. But now it's, you know... Well, a lot further because I think I messaged you once asking how do you ma- how do you maneuver this how do you manage this mm. uh, but yeah he's he's I think it's had a good effect on him yeah I was gonna say how has it changed your relationship I'd say it's oh, absolutely for the better you know I, I I was talking yesterday together and when I used to go out I used to come home I could be the most wickedest person to him he only needed to look at me when I walked through the door and I would say some unpleasant things I don't know why alcohol did that to me. It just took me to a point where I was happy, happy. And then it, a bit like my mom and stuff, a switch would go off and I could get nasty verbally. And I just think, God, you know, I was just so, I mean, he he didn't know whether he was going to get happy coming walking through the door or mm. pleasantness or, you know, ready for an argument. And, and we just don't argue now. I mean, realistically we argue about the silly things that most people do in marriages mm, mm. but like that toxic side of the relationships just it's gone and oh. and it's just such a a nice thing to have because we enjoy each other's company now and and it's definitely changed it's definitely changed it for the better and like he doesn't drink as much anymore so you yeah. know and I think it's really important because it was becoming it was becoming toxic, like toxic. Mm. I'd anyway, if anyone ever was to describe alcohol with my life, I would probably use the word toxic because yeah. that's that's out of all the good things and the bad things, I'd say the bad things always outweighed the good things with alcohol. And there wasn't many positive experiences really where it didn't end in an argument or, you know, storming off. And I said to, I said to him yesterday, I remember drinking and we'd be out and the kids would be at my mum's or you know staying at the 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 nana's or something so we were just us two on our own and it would get to the point where he'd want to go home and I'd be still in that realm of drinking and I'm not going home one more I didn't even want to stay but I just was not going home and it got to the point where he would go home and I genuinely didn't care I was like he's gone right carry on drinking Mm. and I just think that's really like sad for him um you know, and, and the things I used to say, I just think it's really, our relationship now is probably the best it's ever been, oh. which is, it's, you know, down to removing that toxic thing from my life. Amazing, isn't it? It's amazing that it could have such an impact. It's yeah. so funny you say there as well that the behaviour was toxic. And of course it would be because alcohol is a toxic substance, you yeah. know, you're drinking a toxic substance. Of yeah. course it would have toxic impact on your on your behaviour, it's quite, it's quite yeah. mad that, isn't it? It is, yeah. It seems to have dominated me right through life. And I just think, how have I gone all these years? And mm. only now at 45, although I still feel like young and, and and got, you know, lots going on and stuff. I just think, well, them years lost yeah. and, you know, yeah. you know, I feel like you can never go back and mm. you can never redo things. 
things. But I just think, but at this point now, I can move forward and make yeah make make it different moving forward now. And um, you know, my relationships with my children are so much better. I mean, my son said to me last week we were in the car and he went, "Mummy," and I said, "What?" He went because we were picking uh, my husband up from uh, he'd gone for a drink with his friend, and he went, "I'm so happy you don't drink anymore." And that just, oh. to me just made me think. And I said, oh, why? And he went, because you're just always happy and you're always so energized. And I thought that's exactly, that was exactly why I decided I need, a, he needs a role model to see that not drinking alcohol is, is normal. Mm-hmm. You know, it can be accepted. Um, and yeah, and it just, it, it just ticks all the boxes and it just makes me think that's, it's worth it. So anytime I have any doubts, which I don't have now, quite mm-hmm. I, I but in the early stages if I did sort of toy with myself a little bit like we all do at times Mm. with peer pressure more than anything you just have to remind yourself of all them wonderful things that have happened since not drinking yeah and I think it's interesting as well because I do think that we often jump into sobriety because we have that strong feeling we want something Mm. to change or you know I I was like you I wanted to be a different kind of parent to how I felt like I was being as a drinker I didn't want to be like my mom I wanted to be able to model not drinking to my children and now I've got three daughters and I, I I didn't really I didn't want them to kind of take the same route as, as that I did um but I think what's so lovely about sobriety is there is this whole kind of side helping of stuff that you don't expect to come from it so you kind of go into it thinking I just want to sort of tick this couple of boxes and remove it and then you just you start to repair the relationship with yourself you start to build that self-pride and self-esteem you start to find joy in small things you start to really you know there's all this other stuff that I don't think is always that clear that, it, it, that you're going to gain in yeah, the beginning. In the beginning. It's almost like it's like wow hang on a minute I didn't realize that if I did this for six months or a year or or whatever that I'm going to get all this other extra the extra stuff and it, it, I just I think that's so lovely about when you get sober that you have that driving reason or few reasons why you really want it but you're just, you're not even really aware of this other journey that you're going to go yeah. on with kind of with yourself um, and how much, how much peace that brings. Like you say, mm-hmm. I love that. Sometimes people say, oh, you know, I'm, I, you know, I feel bored in sobriety. And, and the first thing I would do in that situation is say, well, what are you doing with your time? Yeah. And things like that. But I try, I say to people, try not to mistake peace with boredom and contentment with boredom because actually there is a lot to be said for just being able to sit happy in the moment you don't have to be constantly doing stuff and, you know and I think that when, when I was drinking I think I was constantly wired yeah. because yeah. I was I was I was kind of like running on not true ad- adrenaline really I was just running on franticness it was always yeah. very frantic here there quick quick here whereas now it's like you know, it's yeah. peaceful. I go for a run. I can I can accomplish so much on a Sunday before even twelve p.m. You know, right. and and that's but that's because I, I, my sleep's better. I'm awake. I'm more alert. You know, and it's again like you said, all these extra things you get as a bonus of sobriety. You just don't. I mean, some people do say to me, "Oh, do you do you feel ill some days?" I'm like, "Well, yeah," because everybody feels ill. Like yeah. you're not 
becoming a superhuman or anything. But, you know, I, I, you do get those days where you feel tired and stuff like that. But that's mm. your body telling you that you're tired or yeah. you've maybe had a busy week at work or something. Mm. But, yeah, you just get this extra time and, you know... Mm. Like you're saying, if you want to sit and be peaceful, just be peaceful. Enjoy it. I often go for a run, and where I am is a beautiful park, and I'll stop, and the ducks are out, and oh. you know, and it's lovely, and it's just the, the, on a morning, on a Sunday morning, when there's not many people around, the sounds, and I'll just sit and think, oh, this is just perfect. Yeah. It really is. And I would have missed all of that because I'd have been yeah. in bed. Yes. <laughs> Feeling very ill. Yeah, yeah. It's so true. So true. Yeah. What um what tips would you have for people? What are your kind of top three tips for people getting Ooh. or staying sober? So my my top three tips are only from my experience is obviously change your narrative on your social media is a must. I definitely think because I did this. I you know, all my posts were people drinking and everything. So I started following people on social media, downloading the podcast, educating myself. And then before I knew it, when I was opening up, say, Instagram or, or anything, uh, it was filled with sobriety. And it's just changing that narrative. And I'm like, oh, everybody's sober. But it's because I've chosen who yeah. to follow, what to look for. Don't put too much pressure on yourself. You know, if, if you want to take it, weekend by weekend or day by day you know that's you know that's perfectly perfectly normal to to Mm. do that um maybe if I mean I did I'll I'll admit I did avoid certain social situations to start with because I think you need to in the initial stages because the temptation it is there and it's everywhere as well so um, I did stay in a little bit to start with and only when I felt confident did I start going out and, and then I liked the challenge of going out yeah. but um just I educated myself I listened to everything and anything I found wonderful people on Instagram like yourself you know I listened to podcasts from normal people and and I and it really when I had a moment where I was thinking oh I would just put a podcast on and listen to it yeah you know I, I just I, I really do think it helps because it's that constant reassuring yourself mm. you're on the right keep a journal I think a journal is fantastic. Yes. You know, make a list of all the things why you don't want to drink anymore. Keep that in your journal and always go back to that. Mm. Remember that that's why I'm doing what I'm doing. And yeah. it does get easier. It definitely gets easier. It does. You have to have a bit of faith, don't you? you do. In that process. Yeah. Definitely. Um, I love those. I think they're really, really good tips. And I agree with you completely on the avoiding social social situations. I just think don't put that much pressure on yourself. Yeah. <laughs> it's, too first, much pressure you know, it's, it's too much. It's too yeah. much. If you're ever going to have a fuck it moment, it's going to be in a, yeah. in a social situation that you can't properly cope with in the first few weeks of sobriety. Yeah. So I just think the first few moments, you're you, you, you're going, your body's changing. It's adapting to not having alcohol. You're feeling probably very vulnerable as well because mm. you, you've exposed yourself to all the emotions and the feelings that you've suppressed for so long. And you're thinking back to all the moments where you feel sad and ashamed and you know and so your, your body's going through this whole process yeah and, and you're very vulnerable anyway without even realizing it so then to put yourself in that situation and I would just say don't do it I would just, yeah, say, just don't just go say no you know I mean I'm not I'm, I'm not someone who loves to go out constantly anyway I'm quite yeah. happy staying at home with a cup of tea and watching a film yeah. but um but yeah just don't do it just say yeah. no just be that brutal person that says I'm not going sorry yeah. put yourself first yeah don't do what other people want you to do yeah 
And it's not forever, you know, it's not forever. And you will absolutely love doing the things that, you know, going out and choosing to do the things that you enjoy. And you'll probably get much better at saying no to the things that you didn't really enjoy, but you just, you just drank through just to fit in. You know, I, I, if if my friends said to me, "Oh, come on, let's go to the pub on Friday," and I just say, "No, I, don't, I don't, yeah, I don't enjoy that." Yeah. I don't. Know, I'll say, "No, I tell you what, I meet you for breakfast after a walk on the beach." Yeah, something. let's do yeah, that. Much, I'd much rather I have something revolving around food would suit me yeah, better. Exactly, <laughs> food, know? nature, or just catching up over a coffee, just having a meaningful conversation. It's, it's. I don't take. I, I only go to places like pubs bars and things like that if if I have to because it's yeah. I don't know a wedding or something yeah. it's not where I choose to spend my time which is weird really because it's where I always spent my time yeah and when you take the alcohol away and you get a a new life <laughs> and you gain a better life that's what happened to me those things just don't they're not appealing really no definitely not no I would much rather go for a walk and I found that I really listen to people now like I really hear what people have got to say so true you know I did New Year's Eve at a party we had we were invited to a party and I was contemplating on going or not and I thought no I'm gonna go we all drive and I can leave and and you know everyone was there there was another lady that wasn't drinking as well and I really wanted to engage in these conversations but then people get to a point don't they with alcohol where that 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 intense conversation and really having a you know it kind of goes because people get silly and whatever yeah. and I still wanted to run with these conversations yes. and I, I just found that I got so much more from being there from the people that I was talking to than probably what maybe they might have got because I was really listening to everyone it's so and true. I really wanted to have these meaningful conversations yeah just think friendship they do they change don't they friendships yes. do change and I'm really lucky that you know my friends haven't my really good friends like my best friend hasn't left like we still have a really good friendship now um and like I'd say my relationships and friendships are probably the best that they've been yeah same yeah but then yeah but I'm the same like I don't want to sit in a pub and like listen to the ramblings on I want to like talk I want to hear about you I want to talk about things that have happened important things just meaningful things isn't it meaningful conversation I think I think that's such a such a great point um that you can you can almost like cut through the crap really quickly you you go straight in for the really deep meaningful stuff and I love that about being sober and being kind of tuned into people better but I had a similar experience where I was out recently with some people and we were having great conversations, lots of meaningful and they were drinking, but a kind of about an hour after they had their first drinks, I realized that the connection just started to wane a bit. And it's because, the, and, and they started to repeat themselves and they started to get a bit louder and and then it just, it all got a bit weird and the yeah. energy really shifted around the table and I realized in that moment that my god I'm not on the same wavelength now as these people and actually I'm not finding this as interesting anymore no I went home I went home and it was a really interesting moment really because even though I feel like you know yeah I've got you know I'm nearly four years into sobriety haven't had with COVID and things like that haven't had huge amounts of social Mm -hmm. I mean I've done I've done like a lot of socializing but I haven't had lots of different types of social situations and I was in a group of people that I don't normally 
socialize with it that much and it was just it was just weird it was eye-opening it was eye-opening to sort of like be in the room and then like be having these kind of good chats and then it was almost like well hang on a minute and then it stops just, yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. It, just, it just changes with a kick of fingers something just changes and I just realized that that yeah that, that the alcohol was obviously taking flowing in them and it was kind of taking over and then they said the same thing three times really quickly. <laughs> and I was like, I found it really odd. Yeah, Because I, I, I don't do that now kind of thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's kind of like, yeah, it's just, it was eye-opening. <laughs> it is definitely an eye-opening thing. I mean, like, I, I'm like you, I don't, I don't really do a lot of um, social drinking events like that. But new, maybe New Year, that was well, obviously was going to be a challenge, but you know, and and then, and then maybe if we go for a meal or something, but I don't really feel that they're like drinking environments because I'm quite lucky that my mother-in-law doesn't drink, my dad doesn't really drink, and my brother doesn't drink either. Um, hmm. So there's quite a lot of people in, the, and my sister-in-law doesn't, there's a lot of people in our family that don't drink, so their environments I feel quite comfortable in. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, you do get to a point when everyone's at the party and you know, it's time to go. <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's Absolutely. true. It's like, yeah. there's, there's the cue. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> she said, she said that three times. Right, let's go. Um, <laughs> so if you're open to sharing more about your journey, where can we find you? Yeah, well, I mean, I don't, I mean, I'm, I, I'd love, I, this is the one thing that I've always stopped with sharing lots of sobriety on my Instagram page. And, and I don't know why, it's a fear of mine, um, but you can find me. I'm just Sarah Thebe on Instagram. I've not got no fancy name or anything. Um, I, but I am going to start doing, I'm, I'm going to do what you did. I want to go in the sea for my one-year anniversary of being sober. Brilliant. That's exactly what I'm going to do. I want to take the dip in and do something really fun. Um, and then, I'm I, yeah, I need to maybe say a bit more about it because I do get lots of people messaging me asking you know, how have you done it? What did you do? But I think it's that, you know, that fear of sharing it all and, and yeah, you know, what 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 are people going to message you? Oh, you've become this person. And I just think, oh, you know, I've, I've kind of not done it as much. I will put something occasionally and I love yeah. listening to people and sharing what people put. But I, I wouldn't say that my Instagram's a huge sobriety. Yeah. Um, promoter but I you know but that's just something that I've maybe I do a lot of exercise I, I do a lot of sharing of that yeah um, but yeah but there, there are a few things on there but it is something I'm going to work on doing it's my next challenge is to yeah. get it out there to, to let people know because I think once you let people know people stop asking you why don't you drink you know if you just straight up and say I don't do it anymore you don't get as much you know, oh, you're going to have a drink soon? Because I do get that quite a lot. Oh, you're going to have a drink soon? And mm-hmm. I'm like, you know, someone actually said to me, you're going to share your one-year sobriety with a drink. And I thought, well, that's a very unusual thing to do. But, you know, well, but no, I'm not. Request, isn't it? I'm not actually going to do that. Um, you know, but I suppose it's because some people do a 12-month challenge, don't they? Yeah. But, yeah. So I've, I've kind of been less, I've been reluctant to share stuff purely because I didn't want that constant. Yeah asking me constantly asking yeah yeah. but it is it is the judgment though isn't it and I think Mm. in my personal Instagram obviously I've got my sober account and I share everything everything and I have friends that follow that and a lot of them do that for support and that's lovely Mm. but in my main personal account I hardly mention it yeah and I do think there is that 
there is that element of there is definitely a stigma for stopping mm-hmm. drinking and mm-hmm. um yeah and I think but for, for so, so long as that hangs around people are always yeah. going to feel a little bit of fear about being vulnerable because a lot of the world don't understand what we've done and and ha- and, that, yeah. you know, and then they, so then they think we're being preachy and all the rest of it because of That's, course yeah. we're excited about our surprise well, yeah because you are you're excited about all these new feelings and emotions yeah, of course. stuff but yeah. yeah and I feel that the more I, I've noticed as I've noticed a lot more people are doing sobriety now and, and yeah. taking the challenge on and you know maybe he's doing a shorter stint as such but it's definitely it's definitely moving in the right direction yeah. I think I hope yeah. you know I think it's definitely on the on the path to moving but yeah it is that judgment isn't it of you know yeah I think so and I think because I, I I mean I remember I when I got married I was two and a half years into being sober and um somebody said to me oh but surely you're going to have champagne on your wedding day and even then you know having two and a half years you just think that's such yeah. an interesting why question would you? Right? Why would I? it never crossed yeah. my mind but of course people I I do understand that people just can't cope with the thought of not having alcohol in these sorts of occasions. And and that's their thing. That's not, it's not me. That's their kind of issue, if you like. Um, but yeah. yeah, I think so, it's definitely something they feel, isn't it? Yeah. Say that again. Like other people, I think it's, I think it's definitely something other people feel because they'll say to you, oh, you've got, you're, you're surely you're going to have a drink. And it's almost like, I think they want you to, yeah have a drink in some respects so that you yeah. so you're not on this journey anymore because yes. you've been on this journey makes them feel yes. you know I have light. had the other flip side of people messaging me saying yeah you know oh I'd love to do what you're doing how did you do it there are positive messages that come through mm. um you know and some people have even said oh, I'm going to do it I'm going to give it a go and and you can definitely inspire people but I think when the judgment comes it's definitely more about them really mm. than it is mm. about us I have no judgment on anybody you know you want to have a drink have a drink I just choose yeah. not to yeah. um but I think that me not drinking definitely questions themselves they yes. start to question themselves a little bit more yeah, yeah. 100% yeah Sarah it's been so lovely um yeah. to speak to you today thank you so much for making the time to share your journey and the story of your life with me and yes. um yeah and good luck with the um university i i'm i'm looking forward to seeing how that transpires and you know what you what you do with it and what's next for you and um yeah i hope you really enjoy your first soberversary and make sure you eat lots oh, of cake. <laughs> yes i will do definitely cake cake and a dip in the sea is, is what's yeah. on the agenda <laughs> no thank yeah. you very much for having me I've really really enjoyed it it's been lovely uh, thank you and thank you to everybody else until next time bye thank you so much for listening to this podcast if you're interested in being a guest please contact me directly on Instagram by sending a message to at sassy sober mum You can also find helpful tools and resources on my website, sassysobermum.com. If you enjoyed the podcast and you want to spread the love, please like, share and rate the podcast. I really look forward to next time. See you then.